A lot of the cakes that actually stick out in my mind are that I just love have been because I've had my own creative freedom with it. But a lot of them have been from styled shoots with photographers. And they're like, here's your color palette. Here's your textures. Run with it. You're listening to Small Minded, the podcast that believes being small is a good thing because small steps lead to big impact. Small towns have a big heart and small businesses play a big role in our modern way of life. I'm your host, Molly Knuth, and here at Small Minded, we share stories and strategies to help small towns and small businesses flourish. Here's to a life well-lived, being small-minded. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of the Small Minded Podcast. And I know I've said this week after week, but I just cannot believe the caliber of guests we've been able to get here on the podcast these recent weeks. And I am bringing you my friend Amy O'Connell today of Sprinkled Confections, a bakery that specializes in high end, beautiful wedding cakes event cakes, confections like, I know I'm going to butcher how this is said, Amy, so I apologize in advance, macarons, macaroons. (laughs) But Amy is just so talented at the confections that she makes in her home kitchen. So anything from the most gorgeous five-tier wedding cake to cute little Rice Krispie treat snacks that you can share with your friends at work, Amy can do absolutely anything. In addition to the bakery business that she has started and grown from her home, she is also part of her husband's family farm, O'Connell Organic Acres, that specializes in organic beef, pork, and chicken in their small town of Holy Cross, Iowa. And as if that isn't enough, Amy is also a mom of three young boys. She is part of our local Empower Her Women's Business group, And I just love talking to her. Today, we talk about everything from the things that are successes and struggles when you're a mom raising your family and business at the same time, to how she feels just so joyful when she can bring people together for a baking workshop, to all of the things that come alongside starting and growing a business in a small town. When I began this podcast, I wanted to really highlight the stories and the strategies of real people who are running the gamut of all the things that they do in their life, but they're doing it and they're going to share how they did it with us. And Amy is just a great example of this. So without further ado, actually with some ado, I do need to say (laughs) one of the things that comes up in today's episode is Amy talks about how she just loves being able to help families celebrate milestones. And in her workshops, a lot of times she gets to see moms who make cakes and they come to our workshops so that they can build in cakes and baking as part of their family traditions. And I must say, I'm a lot of things. I'm not a cake decorator, so I probably need to take one of Amy's workshops. But for now, I can just attest to how gorgeous and tasty all of her cakes are because I order them every time my children have birthdays. So if you're in the local area, you got to hit up Amy, but beware, she books out three to four months at a time. So don't say I didn't warn you. But Amy is just awesome. And whether you are in the market today for a cake, get on her schedule right now. 
Or if you are in the market for just a story about a woman who has grown some great things and shares with others, today's episode is for you. So now, without further ado, my friend Amy O'Connell of Sprinkled Confections on the podcast. All right. Well, I am super excited to welcome my friend Amy O'Connell to the podcast today. Welcome, Amy. Hi. Thank you so much for being here today. Amy is like, not kidding, one of the most talented people I know. And anytime I go to a party around this area, I'm like, I know where you got your cake from because <laughs> I can tell yours and yours are just so good. And I am so excited to bring you on today, not only to talk about sprinkled confections, but we're going to talk about all of the different things that you are about and what you do in your life. I'm excited to be here. So this is actually my first podcast interview. Ah. So I've spoken, I've spoken live on like a few um, people's pages before, but I've never been on a podcast. So this is my first one. Oh, I'm super excited. Thank you for being here. Um, yeah. And Amy is also on Clubhouse. So I'm sure we'll touch in that at some point, but yeah, Clubhouse is a great way to not only connect with people, but yeah, really helps you grow your speaking skills and all that good stuff. So yay. All right. So Amy, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what it is that you do? Okay. So like Molly said, my name is Amy O'Connell. I am a native to Eastern Iowa. So I actually grew up in Holy Cross. So I moved back here after college to my family farm. So we took that over, not entirely, but we live here now. So we farm with my parents and then I started my baking business. So I have Sprinkled Confections, which is a custom home bakery. So I do a lot of wedding cakes and event cakes and birthday cakes and a lot of different things. I love to teach workshops. So I also do a lot of that. And I'm pretty well known in the allergy community in the Eastern Iowa because I do a lot of different things like gluten-free, dairy-free, stuff like that. Additionally, um, on top of having a bakery, I've got three young boys. They stay at home with me until they go to school. So I have those as well. And I'm also a co-owner in um, a business called O'Connell Organic Acres, which is an organic meat business. So we have organic USDA grass-fed beef, pastured pork, and pastured chicken. So I do that with my husband and like my in-laws. So we have two organic farms. So I love that you touched on all aspects of your life and everything that you represent. Like not only do you have a bakery, but that bakery serves people who have allergies. And not only do you farm, but it's an organic farm. And not only are you doing both of these businesses, but you're raising a family at the same time. And so I just, when I think of who this podcast serves and how it's people in small towns that are doing all the things, like you are just the example of this. And I think it's so awesome. So Let's dig a little bit deeper into, we'll start with the bakery business. So when did you discover that baking and potentially doing this from a business perspective was a possibility or something that you wanted to pursue? What was the evolution of the beginning of Sprinkled? I feel like I know I get asked all the time, they're like, when did your business start? And I like really have to think about it because I don't have like a set date, like boom, this is when it happened. It was kind of like an evolution of, of how it came about. I feel like the first inspiration that kind of happened, I had graduated with my master's in agricultural education. And so I had come back to the area and 
I would work on the farm during the morning hours and then I'd come home and work on my master's and stuff like that. And then I would watch a lot of TV at night. I am self-proclaimed like junkie for TV, not necessarily like reality shows, but I just love TV. I've always loved it. So I watched a lot of uh, Cake Boss with Buddy Velastro. And I remember just thinking like, oh yeah, I remember thinking like I can do that. And like, just thinking that to myself, I've always liked to bake, but I never like made decorative cakes by any means, but I was just really inspired by that show and the artistry of it. So I just kind of played around with it and did a few family cakes and then that kind of spread to friends. And then I remember, I can still remember like my very first like commissioned cake that I did. And, uh, it was like a two tier baptism cake and I still have a picture of it and it's actually pretty good. (laughs) Like I look back at it and I'm not like too embarrassed about it, but, um, I feel like that was probably around like the 2012 timeframe. And then um, I was just like very here and there. It was definitely not going to be a business. I was just going to farm, um, which I absolutely loved at that time. We did dairy farming. So I was definitely doing that like twice a day and all the chores that just go along with it. But I had my firstborn child and I struggled really badly with um, postpartum and that played a big role in where do I fit in, in my, I would say like work schedule. I never thought of myself as being a, uh, like a goal driven person that just, I had never really had to come across that yet, but I struggled with after having a baby, like, where do I work now? I was just going to be a stay at home mom, like enjoy raising my kids, a farm occasionally, but I really found that the more I was isolated at home with a child and it was very difficult because he had food allergies. So we were unaware of all this. So raising a newborn with that until we figured that out was a very big struggle and was a very big mental hurdle for me. So then I kind of started to transition into how can I make my own money? And uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, so then it kind of started from there and then the business kind of grew from there. I would say that was kind of, I feel like the first thoughts of it in my head that this could be a business. Oh, I, I want to say that I love that you shared that story, but I know it was such a struggle, but I thank you for sharing that because I know that a lot of people and myself included, like when I decided to be home, my intentions were just to like, I was just going to be a stay at home mom. And then I think for some people, that is totally what they want to do. And they want to do the arts and crafts and take their kids to do activities. But for you and myself included, there was a point a few months into the stay-at-home mom role where I was like, I don't have a personal goal. Like, what am I doing? Like, I need to, for myself, I needed to have something that I was working towards. And I hear a lot of that in your story too. Yes, that is like 2AT. I felt very, yeah, like I said, just like being isolated and like, I felt like I didn't have a purpose, which is so crazy to say that out loud because it's like, clearly you just had a baby, a newborn and all of this stuff. But that, that definitely plays back into the postpartum role of, you know, going down that road of like your self-worth and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. So kind of digging myself out of that and having goals and knowing myself personally, like that was a way to overcome that and have purpose again, I would Mm -hmm. say. So yeah, just working towards that. And now I'm really, all that self-discovery has led to a very great opportunity in my life. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. So now that's the evolution of how it began. So now who is it that you help and how do you help them with the things that you make at Sprinkled Confections? 
Yeah. So I guess kind of like the, the service people that I am, my clientele, I have a lot of brides. So I'm really um, kind of honing in on the bridal industry. I absolutely love making and designing wedding cakes. I love the whole process of it. I love the tiered cakes, the vertical expression of art, these beautiful flowers that I get to incorporate, just like the whole process of it is just the best. The same thing with like event cakes. So I help a lot of um, moms out, I feel like that are really busy and they just, you know, that's not a priority to them and they want to make their little kids, you know, so happy and, you know, they love their little Paw Patrol cake or something like that. So I do a lot of that. And then I love just teaching workshops because I like to bring people together as well and have them leave feeling really happy about what they created. So it's nice to, yeah, like help moms and daughters have like a great day out or, you know, I have guys that come to this stuff too and they love it. So yeah, I guess I'm basically servicing a lot of busy women who can't, you know, do it. A lot of brides making their dreams come true. And um, I actually have been getting into corporate orders too. So it's nice to like touch uh, businesses. Like I just did a really big order for the BBM sisters in Dubuque and I got the nicest voicemail. I am going to keep it. It almost made me cry because it was such a great review back from them. Like the sisters absolutely loved them. Like it was just like the highlight of their week. They wouldn't stop talking about it. And like, that's the stuff that keeps you going. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I have like a million questions from that answer. (laughs) I'm sorry. Sometimes I ramble. No, you're great. No, I think it says speaks more to me. Like, so listener, people who are listening, I always send out like a prep sheet. But before we got on the recording, I was like, just so you know, I start here and then we might end up somewhere else because I always end up with follow up questions. But I think that's the beauty of sharing our stories here. So Mm -hmm. when you're talking about, let's start at the beginning of that response, you're starting off, you said right now you're finding a lot of joy in the creativity and artistry of building bridal cakes. Is there a cake in your mind that sticks out to you that you're like, I had so much fun designing this specific cake? Is there one that you think of? And it's okay if you didn't. Um, So that's question one. And then question two, how did you get into bridal cakes? Did you take classes or was it just a system of letting your artistry explore? Sure. A lot of the cakes that actually stick out in my mind are that I just love have been because I've had my own creative freedom with it. But a lot of them have been from styled shoots with photographers. And they're like, here's your color palette. Here's your textures, run with it. So I love being able to create that. But then those turn into a gallery, which then turns into brides seeing them and wanting them. So I love that I get the creative freedom with that. Just another like part of bridal stuff is just like a lot of my cakes have fresh flowers on them. And I just like live for like these gorgeous flower combinations. So it's great that I get to kind of tie them both together. And so I love doing that. I don't know exactly how I guess I got into it. I had a few friends reach out, I think with the first weddings that I did. And so that kind of stemmed into just creating two tiered cakes. And now I'm going all the way up to like five. I don't really want to do, I don't really want to do past that because they get so heavy. And I like to create them all in one piece versus um, creating on the spot and putting together. So I can't really do more than that because I can't lift them just because they get so heavy. But um, I haven't really taken any specific wedding cake classes or workshops, but I've taken a lot of really great artistry 
type visual design classes from cake professionals that are just like phenomenal in the wedding industry. So I have taken a few of those like virtual classes with them. Oh, that's super cool. Okay. So next question from Matt. So these cakes that are so big and you lifting up, how are you transporting them to event locations? So I actually have, um, since we're in Iowa during the summer months, which is like peak wedding season, you have to keep the cakes cold. So they get created in the morning. I make all of my wedding cakes basically day of, which I know is probably very unheard of and very unnerving for a lot of cake professionals if they are listening to this. But um, (laughs) if they're bigger, they do kind of go like a Friday, Saturday type situation. But we have like specific cake transportation boxes that are insulated and like covered so the sun can't get to them. So if you have a cold cake that comes out of the refrigerator that's been cold for hours, then you put it into this box and the box is just going to insulate it because the cake is putting off the cold. Okay, And so it stays in, it's basically like a cooler, like a cake cooler. When it's really, really hot out, I have put like ice packs also in there to kind of keep it, but it's a very fine line and very stressful with humidity in Iowa because that can cause cakes to condensate. So it can be a little hairy at some moments. And <laughs> but um, I do have some really great um, cake transport boxes. And I actually just purchased another one called the Cake Safe, which is for taller cakes. And if you if you guys are interested in it, you can look it up online. It's very uh, intriguing because you actually take a giant spear, almost like a sword, and you go straight down into the box through the cake. Oh, like so it's very stable during transport. Yep. So it goes all the way down into the bottom of the box. So you're, you have this big spear that goes all the way down. Wedding cakes go on planes in these boxes because they're so well insulated and they're so secure and hold your cake. So they market it as like the video for it. The cakes are like tilted sideways on a dolly and like pushing it. I haven't oh done gosh. that yet. I'm not that bright. <laughs> but um, Yeah. Just to have like the nice transport boxes is definitely like a game changer as far as weddings go. You have to do that. Oh my gosh. I love hearing the story of how you got into this and now where you're at today with these multi-level cakes and getting into the boxes like you're talking about. Is it throughout the years, you're just finding out more information and you're adding that into what you do? Is there, I guess that's kind of the evolution of any small business. You're just learning as you go kind of, right? Yeah, basically, um, you learn from all of your mistakes. I'm very fortunate. I've never had like a major disaster happen, but part of being in like Facebook groups or, um, for example, like Clubhouse and stuff like that, where you get to talk to other professionals and hear their stories and how they've handled it kind of prevents some of this stuff from happening. But you also learn from other people's like small business mistakes and you just start applying that. So definitely. I mean, over the years of like seven years of doing cakes, you know, you just kind of learn that and what works best for your situation. Awesome. Tell me a little bit more about your workshops that you offer. So you said you really find a lot of enjoyment in bringing people together, teaching them some things about creating cakes. So where are these workshops hosted and how do you go about conducting a workshop with people? So um, the idea of workshops actually came about that was never like in my business path, but I had a friend who was writing, she was actually writing her thesis and it was about getting events in small towns. And so she asked me 
if I could host a cake decorating class to engage community interaction. So that's actually how it came about. And I love that story of that. Um, So I did that. I had about 25 people in class, which was just wild for like my very first class to start. And then it just kind of grew from there. I love the aspect of teaching. That's, you know, my background. I was going to be like a college professor. So I've always had that nature about me. And I taught horseback riding lessons for years. So I just, I love having people do something and then leave feeling informed and really good about it. So with my workshops, I started to do cake decorating ones. So I'll do very beginner ones, which are like cake 101, which are amazing. And I always get good turnout. And the part that I love about those is that they're moms who want to make their own kids cakes because they want that to be part of their tradition. And I love that. I love Mm -hmm. giving them that next leveled up experience to make these things with their kids and just like the basics of it. So I do a lot of that one. And then I will go into more specialty ones as well. I also do cookie ones occasionally. Um, I'm considering doing in the future more like kind of bake and learn type ones where it might maybe not be as, as hands-on, but they'll come and attend it and watch me do it. But we're troubleshooting, we're learning, and then everybody just gets to take home their goods. Like, oh, so I it's like just that. one batch and then everybody gets to take home a few of each. So that would be like at a cheaper level as well. But yeah, I host them. I, I have businesses reach out that want me to host in their area. So I will do that. I also have done private ones where people invite me into their home and they'll get like a family group together of like 10 to 15 people. And I just redid my kitchen a few years ago. So um, I've been hosting them in my kitchen, which is great because it's a really nice space for that. Um, I think that's when I started following you on Instagram was shortly, not too much before you started the kitchen renovation. So where Amy is located is just outside of the small town of Holy Cross, Iowa. So I love that you brought in that story about bringing small towns together because so much of what we do in small towns is centered around food. Like honestly, family dinners, like fish fries, things like that. And so I love that. I didn't know that about your story. But when I came across you a few years ago, I don't remember exactly how our paths crossed, but I started watching your kitchen renovation and you took everybody through Instagram stories of like, here's my kitchen right now. And you had hit like a certain capacity that you could like grow your cake business within what you had currently for your kitchen. And so then you're like, here's my concept. And I remember seeing the design. I'm like, oh, this is going to be gorgeous. And then I remember you like walking through every step and like the troubleshooting, the final product. And now like, then I got to attend a gathering of female business owners in your kitchen. And I've been there picking up orders a lot. But like, I just, I love that you're servicing a small town with a very high end product. And it's all from your home. Mm -hmm. Yep. All right. So over the years, you've grown this cake business. You said you also have a farming business that centers around organic meats. Can you tell us a little bit more about that, please? Yeah. So the business is called O'Connell Organic Acres. So it kind of stemmed from when my husband and I got married. He was actually a math teacher down in Cascade for years. And then when we decided to get married, he quit teaching and we got married that June. And he started farming full-time with um, his dad. So he always had an interest in direct consumer 
um, direct to consumer, like uh, a meat product. So that was kind of his vision for that. So we hit the ground running as soon as we got back from our honeymoon with the farmer's market. So we started selling grass fed beef. So we, you know, built that brand from the bottom up, my husband and I did. And then we did that for a few years. And then his youngest brother decided he wanted to come back to the farm as well. So whenever you have farming um, operations and you have more family that wants to become involved, you have to think of more um, revenue, mm-hmm. you know, income ways to get that. So we had a demand from our customers that they were looking for more products such as pork and chicken. So the next meat that we added onto it was pork. Um, and it's actually kind of a hard market to get um, organic pork. There's a demand for it, but there's not a lot of farmers that do it. So gotcha. uh, we did that. And so then we decided to make it even a little bit more niche with having everything be pastured, just like we have our grass-fed beef. It's 100% grass-fed. And then we had customers, you know, even a couple of years later who were like, we really want pastured chickens. Like we want these it was important for our customers for everything to just be humanely raised, which in the organic practice, that is one of the rules and stuff that you have to follow, but taking things even more of a step, like a step further to having them completely out on pasture with fences and we rotate everything around, um, just kind of takes it to the next level. So here we are almost 10 years later, our business has become what it is now. And we service the Dubuque area. We do door-to-door delivery. We're at the Dubuque farmer's market. We're in high V's. We are also delivering down to Iowa city door-to-door and we do the Iowa city farmer's market as well. And now our next venture with that is shipping meat. So that should be coming hopefully within the next six months. So that is an exciting next step in that, but yeah, it's been um, a really great evolution to be with it from the beginning, the absolute, mm-hmm. you know, first footsteps of it. Uh, okay. So in that story, I hear so many things, which is going to lead me into the next question in our interview, but throughout everything you've been saying, not only about this talking about sprinkled, but then when you're talking about O'Connell organic acres, I keep hearing over and over, like you're listening to the customers, you're pivoting as they're asking you for things. That does twofold thing. It answers and shows your audience that you are aware of their needs and you're respecting what they're asking for. And it's also allowing you to branch out, like you said, add revenue streams with the confidence of knowing that it's going to be well received by your audience. I mean, it's just kind of built into your growth. And then I also heard talking about like niching down, talking about getting into the organic market, but then niching down even further into organic pork and then organic chicken. So What I love in that synopsis is that you're just continually providing for your audience, the people, your customers, your clients, and listening to them, being receptive, and then making plans around that. Yes, definitely. I feel like that is so key to kind of going to the next steps. So yeah, so adding those two other meats onto it has been amazing. We even have ideas for more stuff in the future. We're always thinking about that. But like, you know, we never used to deliver door to door, but then COVID hit and there was a need for that. People wanted contactless delivery. And we gained a lot of new customers just from the fact of convenience. You know, they might not be able to make it on Saturdays to farmer's market. So we opened up our, you know, even the doors to the farm. So we have a lot of people who come out to the farm to pick up as well. 
And then, um, yeah, the door-to-door delivery, we do Wednesday nights until like the Dubuque and Piazza area. Oh, that's awesome. Like just pivoting for audience. And then, like you said, when the times are right, I guess maybe not right is the right term, but like when the times demand it, like COVID, you pivoted when you needed to. So that was awesome. So Amy, in the evolution of both of these businesses, it's probably safe to bet you've learned a thing or two about operating small businesses in small towns, right? So Mm -hmm. what are some of the things or the lessons you've learned or tips you can share with listeners about starting and growing small businesses in small towns? I know that's a huge ask. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh gosh. Um, I feel like it's it's always just a little bit harder to get started just in the small town, just because you have to kind of service their needs in a different way because you don't have as many people. So Mm -hmm. I feel like, um, you know, in a small town, I'm not going to get like as many bridal cakes because there just aren't as many people, but you know, if I'm catering to like a bigger Metro area, I have that. So Mm -hmm. I have to have a different game plan to bring in revenue. Mm -hmm. I guess. So having maybe more like smaller retail items, like cupcakes and event cakes and stuff like that. So if I just specialized in bridal cakes and that's all I did, I think it would be very hard to have a thriving business in a Mm -hmm. small town. So it's great to, I guess, branch out and see that. But at, at the same token, it's great to have a small town because everybody talks. Mm-hmm. So your name gets spread far and wide and I feel like very fast. So oh, yes. I feel like some of your best business comes definitely from word of mouth. Oh, 100%. And yeah, I'm, I've told everybody I know about you for sure. Like you got to go to Amy. She's got the best stuff. And yeah, I think that in small towns, we have that benefit of like knowing our neighbors for the most part, knowing people in the community and being able to share what works. It's like influencing, but on a basis with people that you know. <laughs> right, right. Um, and I really like that you brought up about having different price points of your products. You told us earlier about how much you love working in bridal cakes and how that's really been a source of joy for you. But recognizing that in small towns, even though the advice right now that's super hot among all like the business coaches, like having a niche, niching down. And while I agree with that to a point, like I see where you're coming from too, where it's like, we live in a small town. We have to make use of who's here and help who's here. And that might be a lot of different needs. So I think you did a good job of saying, okay, I can have products at a variety of price points. I can host Mm -hmm. workshops. I can have multiple offerings. And that way I'm still growing and expanding a business, even in a small community. Right. Yep. Awesome. So what is it about small towns? I know you said word of mouth is great for growing businesses. What else about small towns is like what you love so much about it? Why you decided to come back, live in a small town and grow your family there? I feel like you do just get like all of the support for it, especially if you do have just like a cutesy little business, like people want to support that. And I feel like the COVID shutdown and stuff really opened that mindset back up to customers. Like Mm -hmm. my dollar needs to stay local and help these businesses because we saw so many of them go under 
that I feel like people's mindset shifted a little bit, like helping out all of like the local restaurants, like, okay, maybe we're going to eat out twice a week now because we want to support these people because we want them to stay in business, especially because I feel like small businesses that are in like these smaller towns are such a big vital part of the community as far as like donating things Mm -hmm. or giving back to schools. So I think that people definitely want to just keep supporting. And I know I'm, I'm definitely like that too. You know, I want my dollar to stay with these businesses because they are employing local people mm-hmm. as well. So I feel like there's just so many amazing facets that just come with it. And, mm-hmm. but I feel like support is just huge because they, they want to see people thrive and do well because it also, you know, like my business being in Holy Cross, which like there really isn't a business district here. But uh, it's great because I have a lot of the bigger debut clients, you know, they are coming out here. They're like, I never even drove out here. I didn't even know this place existed. And we're literally only like 25 minutes away. Mm-hmm. But it's great because we're, I'm bringing traffic this way. Oh, 100%. And even like from Cascade, where I live to Holy Cross, that's probably like a 40 minute ish drive. But there are so many people from this community that order from you. So it's like, yeah. not only, yeah, are you in a small town working with people in your community, but you can have an impact on other surrounding communities too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I love that you said you're pulling Dubuque because in between where you live and Dubuque, which is the larger community in our area is this gorgeous winery. And I love it. And I think like, it's totally something that, like you said, with COVID, we wanted to like push local. And I think it also drove people to check out their local surroundings, maybe a little more so mm-hmm. than they did before. And so yep. you could totally make a day of like stopping at your place, picking up a cake, heading to Park Farm, enjoying some wine, and then heading back home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think definitely people, they like, I know this sounds weird, but they do like to drive out here. And I, I get that all the time. Like I do have occasionally some people who are like, I'm not driving out there, but uh, they're like, it's so beautiful out here. And Eastern Iowa is, it's just, it's stunning. People from across the United States are like, what, you live in Iowa? Like, and I get it, but I feel like in Eastern Iowa, people just don't know like the beauty behind it. So I have so many people that drive out here and, yeah, just, and they just think it's gorgeous. There's rolling hills up where you mm-hmm. live. There's so much beautiful, like farm ground surrounding your place. And I should just like next week when we post this, I should um, post a picture of the view from your kitchen window too, because like, it's just gorgeous and you Mm -hmm. see so much pretty scenery. And then as you're driving into your lane too, you can see the small town of Holy Cross and it's just like very picturesque. Mm -hmm. I love it. Okay. So I have, as I kind of figured a list of questions that we could still ask, but I'm going to just focus on the last couple and then we're going to get into the small talk round. So first of all, Can you share with us, I would be remiss if I didn't ask this as a social media marketer right now, what platform are you finding yourself hanging out on the most on social media? I would probably say the one that I hang out the most on is um, Instagram for sure. I'm very active in my stories. I like um, to share my daily life with my customers right now. I mean, if you go on it, I've got stories about like chickens that are literally in my front entryway. So if you like, <laughs> came to get a cake today, you would see baby chicks in the, in the house. Um, so I'm very active on uh, the stories part of it, but I like being able to build that um, relationship with my customers. 
and it's been amazing. I have met so many great business people uh, throughout the community, especially a ton of Iowa people. So um, I love being part of that. Uh, I feel like Instagram is definitely where I'm at. I was pretty active on Facebook as far as like posting because I feel like that has been not necessarily where I'm getting a lot of new business, but it's a great way when people just plug in Google and they're just like sprinkled confections, my Facebook page pops up as well as mm-hmm. my website, but then they get to see a little bit more of a portfolio that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say I'm like behind the scenes on Facebook. It's more of just like a, a gallery of mm-hmm. my work. I also, yeah, like you said, I do clubhouse. So I love connecting with uh, a lot of really great professionals and learning on there. And I've actually grown my Instagram following quite a bit just from being on clubhouse. Oh, I love hearing that. And I think that the way you approach Instagram is really smart. Like you said, on Facebook, you can use it as a portfolio and showing all your beautiful pictures because you do have gorgeous pictures of your work. And on Instagram, you're doing that, but you're also, like you said, showing up in stories. And what I think Amy has just done a phenomenal job of is incorporating Instagram reels since they came out and showing all the work that goes into decorating a cake. Or like the one that comes to the forefront of my mind is when you did the large sugar cookie at Christmas time and decorating that. And like all of your videos that you're using on Instagram shows the artistry and the creativity that goes behind your work. And then you've got stories where you're showing your real life and all of the other aspects. And I think you're doing a good job of growing your clientele by just showing up as the real you on Instagram. Mm-hmm, definitely. People want to know who they're buying from. And I love being able to promote that. Awesome. I love that. Um, can you tell us a little bit for the listeners who may not know what Clubhouse is? Can you tell us a little bit about what that is? And I know, like you said, a couple of weeks ago, you were in a room with like a big name baker that you were like, I cannot believe I'm here. Can you tell us a little bit about that story too? Yeah. So Clubhouse is basically, I kind of describe it to people as like a Zoom call or like a conference call without the video. So it's great because everybody can talk or you can mute your mic and you're just sitting there listening to people talk, but you don't have the video. So it's great. So you don't have to look good. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just nice because it's always on, like there's no set time and it's just always, it's always there. And depending on who you're following in the rooms that you're in, Um, more of that just kind of pops up on your, they call it the hallway and like your initial thing where meetings that you can drop into are. I've actually been asked to speak and be like the speaker in part of them. So that was kind of a nice little uplifting thing to get asked for, I guess. Uh, Yeah. But the nice thing about Clubhouse is that there are so many big names on there and it's they are just providing you with so much knowledge and like stuff a lot of people would charge money for they're just there handing out this business advice and you get to hear from so many different parts of the world because it's worldwide which is even greater to learn from that so yeah i love clubhouse in that aspect because you can just pop on and off and learn from everybody Yeah. And it's almost like an interactive podcast too, where you're like, you can pop in your earbuds and especially for you, like doing your baking and stuff. I imagine it's like pretty easy to just pop the earbuds in and listen, or then when you have something to share, you can give your two cents. But like you said, it's another app for social media, but right now, because it's like so new, you have access to like these huge names in ways that you wouldn't be able to on an Instagram or Facebook. Yeah, actually, a lot of the people who 
they call them like moderators. So they're kind of running the room and kind of running the dialogue. Most of them have actually been on TV. A lot of them have been winners on, you know, a lot of like the Food Network shows and are two-time champions in this. And they are there just to like answer anything that you want to know. And it's great. A lot of the times they have like daily, I guess, like topic that they're talking about. And then the next day it'll be something else. And they're always asking people to come on and um, if you have questions, like to raise your hand and they'll call on you to ask. So it's such a great informative community if you're in the right ones. Hmm, I love that. Okay. One more question and then we'll get into the small talk round. You said earlier in the interview, and I meant to ask this as a follow-up question, but you said that your children have stayed home with you um, during the growth of your business until they were school aged. And you have a really young little boy at home right now. But what are some of the like successes that you've been like, oh, it's so awesome being able to have the kids home with me during this? And what are some of the hardships that have been present as a mom who is growing a business and a family out of her home? Um, I feel like it's been really great to not have my kids in daycare. And there's definitely nothing wrong with daycare, but as like a mom whose original intent was to be a stay-at-home mom, I still get to enjoy like all of the firsts of my children. So that has been very rewarding in that sense. I'm very fortunate that I have family nearby so they can help out when I need it because I definitely need time away from them, time to focus on the business. I obviously can't be doing wedding cakes on Saturdays without without help. Like my mom Mm -hmm. is very big help since she has been retired with helping with the kids. So I'd say some of the hardships of it have definitely been maybe some of the time management parts of it. Trying to answer emails with a screaming kid next to me Mm -hmm. uh, can be very challenging and a little bit harder on your mental health, I'd say. But being resilient towards that just only makes you stronger. So I feel like just learning the balancing act of it has been a little bit crazy, but I feel like I'm pretty good at managing it now. And it, it, I mean, it definitely helps once they start to go to school as well. So my oldest two are in school Monday through Friday. Mm -hmm. And then I have Silas who's at home with me and he's 10 months, but he's also getting to the stage now where he's getting a little bit busier Mm -hmm. and um, is becoming more of a handful. So I, with my business growth and being kind of where I'm at now, I am kind of starting to look for a little bit more help with it. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's a lot of moms and parents who are growing businesses that listen into this podcast. And so I know that was a hard transition from the social media question, but I thought it was something I didn't want to miss because I know so many people who are starting their own businesses are doing it alongside of all this other stuff that's demanding of their time, whether it's another full-time job or volunteer obligations or health obligations or growing their family. And so I just wanted to make sure we touched on that because there are hardships of growing a business and a family at the same time, but there are also some great rewards. And I firmly believe that like some of the rewards are ones we won't feel for a few years because I think we're modeling for our children and showing them what we can do. And obviously we won't see the return on that or what they ultimately learn for a few years down the road. But I think about your boys seeing you growing this business and doing all these things while still being able to like attend to their needs. And I think that's such a great atmosphere to raise a family. So kudos to you. Yeah. And you know, actually, Chris and I talk quite a bit about business owning and being entrepreneurs to our children. 
we're like, okay, we need to work. Our money-making days are on Fridays and Saturdays. That's when we work. So we talk about that. I know we were just riding in the car the other day and I explained to my seven-year-old who had a question about business loans. And I was like, okay, so this is what it is. I explained what net income was. I'm like, this is way over your head, bud. But I explained it and I broke it down to the bare necessities of what needed to be explained. And he totally understood it. And I'm like, I had him repeat back to me kind of what he took away from it. And he did. And I'm like, what a lesson to learn at seven and a half years old. Like how, how you start a business by taking out a loan and then you do this and then you would be paying back that loan for how many years and all this stuff. So Mm -hmm. he totally took that away, which was amazing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So many lessons can be learned just in the daily things they see you doing. And like you said, sometimes it's hard because you're working and the kids are home and you feel like torn between what you should do. And like just a couple of weeks ago, one of my kids said to me like, why are you working so much right now when we're at home? And I'm like, well, then I dove in like kind of you did. Like if we want to get this thing or if we want to pay for school or new clothes or pay for the car, like we have to make money. And this is how I do that for our family. And I think that shows them a lot about being an adult and kind of teaching them those life lessons. Yes, 100%. Awesome. Okay. So before we get into small talk, let's give people the places they can find you on Clubhouse, Instagram, Facebook, the internet, all the good things. Yeah. So on Instagram, you can find me at sprinkledconfections underscore Amy. Um, On Facebook, it's just sprinkledconfections. I believe it's facebook.com slash sprinkledconfections. Um, I have a great website. It's sprinkledconfections.net. And then with O'Connell Organic Acres, it's the same thing. So it's O'ConnellOrganicAcres.com, Instagram's O'Connell Organic Acres, and Facebook is um, O'Connell Organic Acres. So our business names have been very not chosen by others, I guess. <laughs> I don't know how to say that. <laughs> and we will yes. we'll link to all of it so it makes it easy for everybody to find you and connect with you online. But yeah, we wanted to remind them of where you can be found. Okay. So here we go. We're going to do the small talk round. This is just real easy questions just to let us know you a little bit further from what we already did. Okay. So first up, what's your go-to snack? Um, I am, I feel like I am a snacker, so I feel like I eat everything, but I guess something that comes to mind would be, uh, uh, the jalapeno Cheetos. And I don't even really like spicy stuff, but they are really good. So I will grab those. I grab like cheese sticks. If I do have sweets in the house, I will totally grab them, but I try not to keep them in there because I will eat them. Do you like eat a lot of your own cupcakes and cookies and stuff? I actually don't. I'm not like a frosting person. So I get asked that all the time. They're like, you don't eat cake. I'm like, I mean, I'll eat it, but I don't really eat it with frosting. So like the tops of the cakes that you shave off to make them level, I would eat that just plain. (laughs) Um, But I don't eat a lot of my stuff. Occasionally I'll eat things that I don't make very often, say like marshmallows or something or French macarons, then I'll sneak one of those, but I don't eat a lot of it. I don't, I don't keep it out. My, my kids were taught very early on that the stuff I'm making is for customers and they are not allowed to touch it. Like I don't even want them to breathe on it. So they like, (laughs) they just like completely stay away from it. And they always ask if I have stuff sitting on the counter, is this a customer's? So they know I make it and it goes out the door pretty much. (laughs) All right. Next question. 
Um, what are some go-to podcasts or books that you listen to for either business advice or just for enjoyment? Um, I feel like I don't do a lot of reading. I wish I had more time, but I just don't. So I don't really have any recommendations there. As far as podcasts go, um, my go-tos during the week, um, I love to listen to yours because it comes out Tuesday morning. So I always listen to yours. I listen to, it's called Winning is actually, uh, it's all about these two girls in Nashville. And I know one of them, I went to high school with them. She's was my best friend in high school's sister. So, um, but that's called hashtag winning. So they, I love that one. That one comes out on Tuesdays too. Um, there is, uh, my friend's husband got one that came out. That's called the world with Nate. And I love to listen to that one as well. He does like inspiring stories about people and that comes out twice a month. So I always go to that one. Gosh, I feel like when I'm, I'm listening to podcasts, I want it to not be business oriented. Like I just want it to be kind of just like very easy and relaxing because I feel like I'm very wrapped up in my business that I want it to be just more of like a decompression time. Kind of. And actually another one that I do listen to is called, um, smartless and it was started it was started by Jason Bateman and Will Arnett and Sean Hayes and they interview celebrities and that is just hilarious. So I do I do listen to that one if I need a good laugh because it's long. So it's about usually like an hour long. So I like to listen to that one in the car. Oh my gosh. And that one is a hoot. I love that. It is. I hear myself and what you said too, because I used to listen to podcasts like when my business was younger. I think I listen to a lot more business oriented podcasts. And now, like in the last year, I'm listening to a lot more of these kind where it's like just for enjoyment or funny mm-hmm. stories or something or like a newsworthy piece of information. But right. Um, okay. What was your first job? Um, I grew up on a farm. So definitely like all the farm stuff. And we had a dairy farm. So doing chores morning and night was always there. I did that, you know, all the way through high school. But I probably say like my first paying job off of the farm, I worked for the town of Holy Cross um, with like one of my best friends and we painted stuff like during the summer. So we would paint like on the like parking lines and curbs and like painting stuff at the park. So just kind of like doing odds and ends type things in like Holy Cross. Oh my gosh, that'd be a fun summer job with your friend. (laughs) It was. And we just like had a blast. And then, yeah, that was a perfect summer job for high school. Um, Two more questions. Uh, I feel like I know this answer, but because uh, I follow you on Instagram, but listeners may not know yet. What is your all-time favorite travel spot that you've been to? Oh my gosh. Yeah. If you follow me on, on Instagram, it's 100% Switzerland. Um, my husband and I took a two-week honeymoon over to Europe. And so we spent a week in Italy and then we kind of traveled north into Switzerland. And I know it sounds so crazy, but Switzerland was honestly like life-changing for me. I think about it every day and it's still 10 years later. The Alps were just so magical to me, just like that, that lifestyle. And like, I love cows. And so they had like the best sheep and cows and they wore the bells and it was just like, they actually wear bells there. They actually wear bells. Yeah. So the cows wear bells and so do the goats because they put them like high up in the mountains. So they need to be able to hear them. So uh, my favorite area, the Berner Oberland, which is like this region that's in the Alps, all you hear is waterfalls and bells. It's like the most serene sound in the whole entire world. But yeah, they, they wear them. It's very legit. And I love it. I love the mountains. I love, I think the simplicity and like the 
kind of like the spiritualness behind them, just like mm-hmm. their awe of being built. Like they're just this massive amazingness. Like I would choose the mountains over a beach any day. Oh, I love when you share, like I said, following Amy on Instagram, I knew this already because she does such a beautiful job of like sharing photos and like sometimes you'll highlight places that you actually went to while you were there. And I'm like, it looks so beautiful in that picture. But I know like pictures probably don't even touch it as far as how beautiful it is. Yeah, I know. And I actually have videos and stuff. I should pull out some videos and post them on Instagram because it's, I'm sure I probably have like the sound in them and everything, but it's just, I have convinced so many people that they need to go to Switzerland. Like I'm sure like nobody even thought about Switzerland as a vacation destination. And I've like convinced thousands of people that they need to go there. <laughs> oh, I want to go there too. <laughs> um, okay. Last question. We are in at the time of this recording, March of 2021. So we're three months into the year. What are some of the goals that you have before year end for either sprinkled confections, O'Connell organic acres, or just personally for yourself? So for O'Connell organic acres, we're definitely wanting to hit the shipping mark. So we want to be able to spread that out more. So shipping is high on the priority list this year. And we're building a very big, um, not like huge, but a really great, like a machine shed or like a shop kind of that has a big walk-in freezer. So we can store our meats and stuff like that and have a great shipping area. So that is probably the biggest goal for them this year. Uh, For my business, I'm also kind of in the next stages of what my business and how it's going to grow. And I think that I have kind of come to the next step, but I don't want to say too much about it until I'm completely for sure on that. I would like to teach a few more workshops though this year. I just like, I love teaching them, but with COVID, I didn't get to do too much of it in 2020. So I have so many people asking me for them and I just, I love doing them. So I'm hoping to add a few more of those in. And for personal my son's, he's almost 11 months. So I feel like my nursing journey with him will be done soon. So I'm hoping that I can start to focus maybe a little bit more on myself again, as far as like fitness and stuff. But with nursing, I definitely didn't want to like overdo it or take out too many calories. So my production would go down. So I think that's like a personal one for me and maybe to get a little bit more organized. <laughs> <laughs> that's always on my goal. Like maybe no this is the week I'll get organized. Right. But Amy, I just love chatting with you. And I thank you so much for the time because you are so busy and you got such a jam-packed schedule that like providing this time for us is just so nice of you. And I appreciate it so much. Yeah. Well, I am so grateful that you asked me to be on here, especially it's a great first podcast. So yes, I'm excited. Absolutely. All right. So listeners, again, you can find her at sprinkled confections underscore Amy on Instagram. And I would say go there first. And then we will link to all the other places in our show notes today so that you are the first to know about sprinkled confections, O'Connell Organic Acres, and all of the other sides of Amy's life and business. So, all right. Thanks so much, Amy. And thank you listeners for being here. Hey there, thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of the Small Minded Podcast, the place on the internet where we celebrate small towns, small businesses, and the people who love them. If you enjoyed this episode, we would be forever grateful to have a review of your experience over on iTunes, Spotify, our website, or wherever you tuned in today. And as always, we welcome you sharing this podcast 
with your friends and family on social. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Small Minded Podcast or at mollyknuthmedia.com slash podcast. Please go out, make today a good one. Take a small step towards a bigger impact. Here's to a life well lived being small minded.